Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. This morning, I want to share with you about the great love of God. You know, the New Testament book of Ephesians, and that's where we're going in a minute, is the book of Ephesians. The New Testament book of Ephesians was written as a letter. It was written around probably around 62, 63 AD, give or take a year, somewhere right in there. It was written from Rome by the apostle Paul. Wow. You know, the apostle Paul wrote several books from Rome while he was being held prisoner there in the Roman prison system. And I suppose prison kind of gives a person time to reflect and to consider what's important. No show of hands, please. Okay, might create a wind flowing through here because I know a lot of us have had opportunity to see the other side of those bars. And uh, it does give you time to kind of sit and think a little bit about what's important and to reflect on, on things in life. Well, that, that happened to the apostle Paul. You see, uh, imagine, imagine that you found yourself late in life, late in Paul's life, he didn't have much longer to live. Paul was about 60 years old. So we'll call that late in his life because he only lived to be about 62. So imagine that late in your life, you found yourself in jail, not just in jail, but in prison, in a, in a, in a, in a prison because the leader of the country put you there. And you know chances are you're going to be executed. You're going to have your head cut off. Now imagine that. And imagine that you are in prison because you have been wrongly accused and unjustly sentenced. You don't deserve to be there. You didn't do anything bad to be there. You've been helping people all your life. You're just trying to help. You were put in prison because of your opinion. Now imagine that you had family and friends on the outside and you are in this prison. And you also know that your family and friends have the same opinion that you have. And you know that they might be asked their opinion. And you know that they're going to tell their opinion when they're asked and that they're probably going to be put in prison too and executed as well. Or worse yet, tortured to death. And so you decide that before you die, you want to write them a letter to tell them some things that you believe are very important for them. That's where the Apostle Paul was. Now, his desire was to make sure that they understood the things that he felt like were most important. Now remember, Paul was in prison under Nero, the guy that was putting the human popsicle sticks up and setting them on fire. 
Paul saw many other things while he was in Rome, horrible things. This same Nero had murdered his mother, murdered his wife, and murdered his brother-in-law. He tried to murder his mother twice. He was trying to be all nice. He didn't like her because he was concerned that she was not politically supporting him. So he put her on a boat and asked her to be his emissary and go over to a party at another place and he created a, 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 a plug in the boat so that on command, one of his commanders pulled the plug and the ship sank with his mother. <laughs> she was, must have been kind of a wiry old woman. She swam all the way to shore. Sent word back to her son, hey, don't worry. You might hear the ship sink, but don't worry about me. I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm alive. Nero went, I guess I'll just have to do this out in the open. So he just had some people, you know, march around and just execute her. There, take that, mom. This is the guy that was in charge. And in all the letters the Apostle Paul wrote, he never wrote anything bad about Nero. He never wrote anything bad about the government. He never wrote anything bad about other religions. He never wrote anything. He never, the, the Apostle Paul said, I do not have time to fuss about things that are wrong. And all the, he said, the, the, the time I have can't be spent on being more for what I'm against than what I'm for. Because even if all the things that are bad stopped, one day, that does not guarantee that any other person knows Christ. So instead of being against bad things, I want to be for Christ. And he said, I have decided and I have determined that I'm not going to know anything, that I'm not going to, 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 to uh, tell people anything other than the things that are most needed so that they can make Jesus their Lord and Savior. I am determined, he said, to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified for my sin. You see, those were the important things. That changes the life. Because the apostle Paul knew that his friends were not secure in this world. They could be arrested they could be hurt. They could have problems. He knew they were not secure in this world. But the greatest security that he wanted for them to have was the security that a person needs when he steps from this life into the next. Because I guarantee you that the next life is the place where you will want security where you will want to know that you are okay more than we ever hope to be okay in this life. And the Apostle Paul understood that as one who was about to step across that line, as one whose friends and family lived close to that line, and he knew that he could not secure them in this world, but if he would lead them to Christ and tell them how to think and how to, how to look and tell them and encourage them. He knew that he could bring an eternal security to all those who would believe. And today, I encourage you as well to realize your eternal security and the eternal security of your family and friends is worth more than anything 
else in this universe. In this world, you will have tribulation, Jesus said. But then he didn't leave it there. He said, but I have overcome the world. You can afford to put a smile on your face. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world. The psalmist David wrote to us, and he realized late in life, he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he didn't leave it there. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, everybody say, but. The Lord delivers us out of them all. Praise God that God never leaves us in a dark place. God never leaves his children in a negative place saying, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. You did this and you'll just have to pay for it. You'll just have to put up with it. I'm sorry, it's over. I'm, no, no. And that's what the apostle Paul was writing in the, in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians, the second chapter, we're going to begin reading at verse four, but the apostle Paul had basically already told them that I know difficult things happen and I know that your past, uh, you know, perhaps many of you here um, would identify with that. Maybe your past has not been perfect. Maybe you have not been perfect in your past. Maybe you have done things, said things, thought things, wanted things that you should not have. Maybe you've just been living outside the will of God, outside of, 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 of God's uh, direction uh, on, on your life. And and the Apostle Paul acknowledges that. He does not claim himself to be perfect and neither does he claim that anyone else ever could achieve perfection. And then he offers us one word in the fourth verse of Ephesians 2. Would you all say that word with me? But... <laughs> He knows that you've gone through things. He knows, God knows, God knows that there are difficulties, but, but what? But God, who is rich in mercy. Oh my goodness. The apostle Paul wanted his friends and family to know he wanted them to know because he knew that they would be facing things in life, tragedy, trauma, tribulation, you know, trouble, things that they could not uh, you know, predict, things that they, that, that they knew made no sense. But yet he wanted them to know that God is rich in mercy. But there is a God whose mercy will never fail. The psalmist wrote the same thing, that the mercy of the Lord, they're new every morning and they never fail. Because of his great love. Y'all see where I got great love? Okay, that's the title. Because of his great love with which he loved us. What does he mean by great love? What does the Apostle Paul mean by, by, by this great love? That God's mercies are so rich. God's rich. He's rich, he's rich, he's rich. What is he rich in? Mercy. Because of his great love. He has so much mercy on us because of his great love. He also told them that God loves us with this great love. What is this great love? Well, first, it's original. Do you realize that God is the original lover? God, love is original to God. No one ever loved before God loved. Okay? God is love. 
In fact, the Bible tells us that if you love God, you only love him because he loved you first. No man ever loved God first. God is original. That's the great love of God is that it's original, that, that, that God didn't have to. His mother didn't make him. He didn't read it in some book, and he's not trying to be a better God. He is love. And love is just a demonstration, an outflowing. Great love. He's merciful, not because we deserve it, not because we earned it, not because we're perfect, not because, but because he is perfect. That's the greatness of God. And love is original to God. Number two, this great love is abundant. God's love is abundant. What does that mean? That means he has enough for everyone. He has enough for everyone. You see, the love of God, the love that, 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 that God gives us even, is a love that multiplies. It, 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 it has this power to multiply. I did not understand that until we had a child. Now, I loved Brenda with all my heart. And we had a child, and I looked at her, and I fell in love, and I loved her with all my heart. But it didn't take anything away from loving her. And then my son was born, and wouldn't you know it? I gave him all my heart. I loved him with all my heart. I couldn't, wait a second. I didn't have to rob anything from my daughter to love my son. I loved both of them with all my heart. And then they started having children. And every one of them, up to nine presently, I love every one of them with all my heart. That's crazy. How can you do that? That's how God loves us, every one of us. He does not love one of us more than the other one. He, he loves us all. He, I mean, he, his, his love, this great love, he's so merciful because of this great love that he has, which is original to him, and it's abundant, so abundant that he can love every one of us the very same. Do you know what? He even loves our enemies. In human world, if you love me, you have to hate my enemy. In God world, he doesn't. And he encourages us to get into his world. Jesus said, love your enemies. You see, because love is the measure of God inside of us. Love is not the measure of the person we're loving. It's the measure of us. How much God is in us, that's what we love with. Love doesn't mean I agree with you. Love does not mean I support you. Love does not even mean I want you to keep living <laughs> on this world. But love does mean that I have a compassion and a care for you because it speaks of the God in me. It's abundant and we should love everyone. This great love, thirdly, is eternal. It lasts forever. What I love about the love of God is that God loves me eternally. And by that, his mercy is based on his love and his love is eternal and therefore he will be merciful to me, his child, forever. 
forever. My. Amazing. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Okay. How can I describe this grace? The work of salvation is a work of grace, for by grace you have been saved. The, the work of salvation is not a work of works. It's not of man, it's of God. It's the grace of God. Uh, this is the best way to describe grace. If you deserve it, you can't have it. It's not grace if you deserve it. Only those who do not deserve it can get the grace of God. Because if it's deserved, it's not grace. That's what the Apostle Paul argued. If it is earned or if it is uh, in, you know, purchased, if in any way a person deserves it, it's not grace. And without grace, you can't be saved. God gave us a gift called Jesus Christ. And he did it because of his great love. When we did not deserve it. No man ever deserved to be saved. You don't deserve to be forgiven. You don't deserve to be loved. You don't deserve heaven. And if you did, you can't go. Because it's only by grace not by works. We're saved not because of what we do, but because of what he did. Wow. This great gift comes to us because we believe and we receive the gift God gave us. You know, two things today. It would take two things for somebody to get this hundred bucks. First, they'd have to believe that I'd give it to them. And second, they'd have to come up and get it. You don't deserve that, by the way. Do you know why all the rest of y'all didn't, didn't get one? Because my, my wealth does not equal God's. <laughs> but if it did... The only people that would walk away from here without one is the people who wouldn't come get it for some reason or somebody that believed that as soon as they got here, I was going to jerk it back or that I was going to make him do something for it. That's the gift of God. Verse 6. And God raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, from God's eternal perspective, we are already seated at his table. God is a dreamer. God, God is a, imagines. He's dreaming. God, God believes this. He sees it. He sees the future. And he sees all of his children sitting around the table in heaven. Uh, with, he sees it already done. Wow. What an eternal perspective he has. You know, that's God's dream. He dreams that we're going to feast with him together. And he sees it. And his dreams always come to pass. Verse 7. Why is he doing all this? So that in 
the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You know, God is just hoping that when all this is over and we're sitting and feasting with him, that we'll look around and say, my goodness, God is kind. That's what he's wanting. He's wanting us to recognize that he has spent his wealth making preparation for us to get there and making preparation for us to live there. We can't imagine it. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of any man those things which God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. We cannot imagine, but God's imagining it for us and God's building it. He's taking all of his resources, all of his wealth, and he's distributing it by grace upon us and giving us mercies that we don't deserve and grace and inviting us to come and receive a gift so that we can be secure for all eternity. All he's wanting is just to give us something that will make us secure for all eternity. All he's wanting to do is to save his children's lives. And it's there for receiving. Paul wanted his family and friends to know about that. That's what Paul, at the end of his life, wanted to leave as his last will and testament. He wanted his friends to know the great love of God would secure them. Paul didn't want to talk to them about how, how much danger they were in. He didn't want to tell them how bad it was in Rome. He didn't want to tell them that the, that, that the world was, was going to hell. He didn't want to tell them that, 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 that they had to watch out and be careful. He wanted to tell them that they needed to give their hearts and lives and then their trust to a loving, living God. You see, Paul in prison had some time to reflect. And his letter that he wrote to the Ephesians church reveals how much the Apostle Paul appreciated God for, number one, his boundless mercy. There's nothing you can do that God won't forgive you for. Number two is great love, that God's love is original. He'll love you before you ever pay any attention to him, and he'll abundantly love you. He'll love you as much as he loves Jesus, and he'll love you forever. Paul wanted his friends to understand that God has a matchless grace. You, you can't deserve it, and, and, and no one can even imagine it. It's unimaginable that God would give this to me, and I don't deserve it. He wanted them to understand he appreciated God's abundant kindness because that's what we will see in the future. We will see just how kind God has been to us. Despite our trouble, despite our test, despite the tribulation, despite the tragedies, despite all of the difficulties we have faced, we will all of a sudden come to the recollection and the realization that God was mighty kind to us. And he also wanted people to realize that God had an eternal perspective. Let me encourage you to take some of these cues today. Look beyond your moment and get a God perspective. Look beyond your situation. 
your circumstance, your hurt, your hardship, tragedy, trauma, the last worst mistake. Look beyond what is currently going on and get a future expected, a long expected, an expectation that God's great love will continue to provide mercy and grace and kindness to those who do not deserve it. All in hopes that they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We know what Paul appreciated. Let me ask you, what do you appreciate about God? Have you considered telling your family and your friends what you believe before you die? If I'm not mistaken, that's called your last will and testament. Got it in there. That's <laughs> what it is. Your will, your last will. What do you want people to do after you're gone? And your testimony. What you want people to know? Your testament. What do you want your family and your friends to know about God and how much you appreciate Him? The important things, the things that will carry them through the trouble and the trauma and the tragedy of life. Have you considered telling them? Maybe, maybe you should write it down. You might be surprised who would read it and how it would impact. You might be eternally surprised at how much impact your testimony means to your family and friends. I bet Paul is surprised that we're still reading it today.